And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for this week's edition of Two Man Advantage. A fine week it is. Pierre Lebrun joining me from Toronto and... Big surprise. I'm really excited. Ed Olchuk is going to join us in a few minutes, Pierre, and we're going to chat a little Doc Emmerich. We're going to chat a bunch of different stuff. And I, I'm so pleased that you and I are once again connected. How, how are you doing today? How, how are you feeling? I'm all right. We're really into the off season now, aren't we? It's about to get quiet. It's about to get quiet. <laughs> Do you think? Well, so, okay, so... It, it's sort of, so, like, so right now it would be... So this is October 20th as we tape this. Okay. So, and free agency was on the 9th. Yeah. So this is days. like, so this is like what July 11th would feel like in a normal season. Right. So it's starting uh, to get quiet. Yeah. Right. So you'd really be, would you be a, a, into the first bloody Caesar normally at the cottage <laughs> or? Uh, yeah, maybe I'd be on the golf course. I'd be yeah. in the golf course right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. Well, it, it does feel, I mean, it's, it's weird. Uh, it goes without saying all of this is weird, but um, there's still a couple of outstanding things sort of percolating around, right? Like I'm still surprised that Mike Hoffman's still out there, right? It's a, a, a natural goal scorer, the, I, I think it's fair to say, the um, the most prolific natural goal scorer on, among the UFA crowd that hit the market on October 9th. So he's still out there. And and the the story that I'm really curious about, and I'm, I'm really curious about your take on it, is this whole Patrick Line thing. I sort of imagined after the Jets acquired Paul Stastny and, you know, they made a couple of additions along the blue line. Have a. I just thought maybe this Patrick Line stuff would would sort of creep to the background. But you have been writing about it, and he's heading into a season uh, last season before becoming an RFA. He makes six point seven five million dollars, and it's still out there that you know what are the Jets going to do with him? I, I guess I'm a bit surprised by that, but I don't think you are. No, and, and part of what happened, and, and you know, I, I had an update on the situation on insider trading last Thursday, which obviously uh, created some headlines, I think. And and that wasn't the point of it. The point was last week I was searching for some clarity, you know, like, like why? I mean, we know from our reporting that, you know, the Jets have talked to teams about Patrick Liney now for nearly two months. And, and, and I reached out to Liney's camp, you know, and I think it's important to do that from time to time to, you know, to find out how where they are in all this and what what I heard from Andy Scott and Mike Leud of Octagon, who um, who represent Patrick Liney, is that, you know, he hasn't asked for a trade. It, it's it's not like that, but that you know because they know that his name's been in trade discussions because it's been a tough. For, it's very strange for a 40-goal scorer, but it's been a tough fit lineup-wise for him. Yeah. Always a topic of conversation in Winnipeg. Why is he on the top line, etc.? When you put all the factors together, what his agents told me, 
uh, was that, you know, there's sort of a mutual understanding of where this is probably headed. And obviously when I put that out there, it, it created a stir. Now I was quick to add, and it's funny how people just listen to what they want to hear, but that, that I'm under no impression that Kevin Shovel, Kevin Shovel Dayoff will definitely trade Patrick Liney. That if the, if there isn't a deal there, that makes sense. I think the Jets are ready to bring him back. He's got another year in his deal. He's RFA at the end of it. There isn't a firm deadline to any of this. And and who's to say he doesn't come back and, you know, light it up, like you say, playing with Paul Strashty and and maybe feels great about things. Who knows? But certainly, as of now, there's sort of this sense, you know, when you talk to their camp that, you know, maybe the horses have left the barn here. Is that a... It's interesting on a number of fronts because, as you say, I mean, in a league where goals are at such a premium and, and teams are, are desperate to, you know, draft, develop, acquire, how, however, uh, a, a guy who can, who is a, we talked about natural goal scorer, a guy like Mike Hoffman, I mean, Patrick Liney is a machine. And, and it and the fact that it may be headed this way is is a bit surprising. But I, I'm interested in, in how you think Kevin Dayoff approaches this, right? He holds all the cards, right? Line is going to be, he's under contract. He's going to be an RFA at the end of whenever next season ends. He doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do, but I, I guess he must be looking for something that makes sense, not not just in the short term, but it has to make sense for that team long term and moving forward. And I assume it would be something along the blue line, correct? Yeah, I mean, th- that would make the most sense is to get a top four defenseman as part of a package. Um, yeah, and, and you're right. There is absolutely, you know, the Jets are certainly within their rights to bring him back and just let this play out. I guess the only risk in that is whether you have a malcontent on your hands and, and what that's like next year, hard to say. I don't know that. Um, you know, so we've got a long off season here. These things don't have to be figured out today. <laughs> There's lots of time between now and puck drop, especially yeah. since we don't know when puck drop will be exactly. Yeah. But it, uh, but but it is. It's it's one of those overarching storylines for sure that uh, that is hanging out there. It's, it's interesting. Is is there a team like so? I look for I look at you know some of the teams that have created cap space. We know that Nashville and Columbus both created cap space uh, leading up to the start of free agency. It's not, nothing is uh, now. Columbus, of course, has uh, added Max Domi and extended him, but there's still room there. Still room, obviously, in Nashville uh, and David Poyle looking to you know to change the dynamic in in Nashville. Obviously, after a couple of disappointing seasons, and a team like Philadelphia that. I, I think Chuck Fletcher's maneuvered himself well, and he also has an asset in Shane Gospehair that that may you know we know has been out on the market. Do you do you sense that this is something that really is is really going to go into a, a slow boil until we figure out exactly when we're coming back? Or if you're a team that are inter- that's really interested in Patrick Liney, do you feel that you have to that maybe there's some urgency to try and get ahead of the mm-hmm. curve on it? Well, the Flyers are intriguing because um, we do know that the Flyers and Jets have had talks. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they went very far. Don't know that. But they have had talks, and they're they're kind of, in, in, you know, they are intriguing to me. Now, the Jets, there's zero chance of the Jets getting 
Ivan Provorov out of this. <laughs> that's just yeah. that's a no go right. from the Flyers' perspective, is my understanding. Now you mentioned uh, Shane Goss's bear. I, I don't think that's going to cut it for Winnipeg as part of the package. I mean, I, as an aside, I do think if a team takes a chance on, on Shane Goss's bear, I think there's a real uh, upside there in terms of giving this guy a change of scenery and using his skating and puck handling skills to resurrect his career. But, but I, I don't think that I, I don't really feel that's a fit for Winnipeg. I mean, I think if you're the Jets, maybe you look at Philip Myers. Um, you know, or do you look at Travis Sanheim? I don't know. I'm, this is just me right now. These are not names that I've heard at all. But you you want a defenseman out of it, and then maybe a piece up front. Those are the types of conversations that that you try to have if you're Winnipeg. But again, there there be other teams in there right now too. And and again, no deadline, no pressure to this. That doesn't a it may not happen, and b uh, you can certainly now that free agency for the for for the for the most part, has come and gone. You can sort of take your time when it comes to trades. Yeah. I, I, you've, you've written about this, but there's, you know, a couple of the players that are still out there, Mike Hoffman, uh, Eric Hollow. Um, but it really, it does, I, to go back to your original point, it does sort of feel like the like I'm, I'm off this week, right? I mean, I've, it does feel like the off season, right? It's It feels like a low ebb. Do you, and do you get that sense from... You know, GMs or, or executives you're talking to uh, around the league that p- this is really now the period we're going into where okay, let's let's turn our attention to how is it going to look, when is this going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's exactly what I sense is is people have really turned the page on 1920 and are starting to zero in on plans for next year without knowing necessarily what the plans for next year are yet. So. So that's really become the focus here. And and we're going to have to know at some point here. Now, on the one hand, as we tape this, I, I don't believe the NHLPA-NHL Joint Committee on Return to Play has met yet. <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to have met by now, but I don't think they have, unless I'm wrong. So if I'm wrong, well, you know, just ignore what I'm saying right now. But but I was told a couple of days ago they hadn't met yet. So, um, and, and I suspect they will meet soon. Now, obviously, Don Fear and Gary Bettman have a constant dialogue going. So, so at their level, there's communication all the time about next year. But, and certainly the league internally has lots of ideas ruminating. But, but that committee is important, as we saw last spring. Uh, the joint committee with players on it had a big, big impact on what return to play ended up looking like in the 2014 tournament. So, uh, it's important for that committee to get going here to start. Uh, you know, nailing down a framework for next season. But I, I, I'm even starting to think that January 1st is ambitious, frankly, Scotty. Like, I think if you think about the fact that you need a couple of weeks of training camp before the puck drops, and I also think, like, does it make sense to have camp during the Christmas holidays for these? Like, I think everyone, everything just smells to me like open camp in the new year, don't you? I mean, yeah, and then no, that means no. you don't you don't drop the puck till mid to late January. Yeah, well, and how much stock do you put in, uh, you know, Vegas owner Bill Foley talking uh, about an even later start? If I now I, I should have called up the story while I was talking yeah, about February it. Yeah, February 1st, I think yeah, he was saying, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, even a little bit more delayed. Well, I mean, it wouldn't, you know, if you started camp in the first week of January, and I don't 
you know, at that stage, though, you're, you you have to come to some sort of resolution on how many games you're going to play and all the things that we've talked about in the past to get it in before um, the start of the Summer Olympics, um, third week of July um, in 21. But uh, you're, I, I think you're right. And I've talked to, you know, I'm sure you get the same sort of vibe from whether it's coaches or players or executives that even January 1st to actually start when you back it, you know, back it, you know, three weeks back, or even if you're just going to have two weeks, it seems like a very short period of time. You are, you're right smack in the, in the middle of the Christmas holidays. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think we are looking at, at something, you know, maybe you, you open the doors to training camp on January 1st and, and, and you move forward from there. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't think we're it, it and and maybe that's the best way to look at it, right? That you that you're not trying to to jam it in and and you got you you give the off season time to breathe. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and and again, you need fans in the building at some level. Like you're, you're not going to get anywhere close to 100% in an arena. You don't even have open air, but. Uh, partial crowds before the end of next season are going to be a must for this to make any sense at all. I mean, if it's empty arenas, no fans, there's no point dropping the puck. I mean, the NHL will lose less money not having a season than having a season if they can't get any measure of fans involved. So so that's important too, is to find out whether you can do 25% crowds at some point and how quickly you can get to that. Uh, the border it remains a huge issue. Um, you know, I don't know that there's any evidence right now to suggest that the Canadian government's going to want to lift restrictions anytime soon. I don't know why you would. It's just like, um, so that's, you know, if you're looking at a border, for example, that, it, that remains stringent right into next summer, then geez, I guess the seven Canadian teams will get to know each other. Uh, <laughs> It'll be back like original six hockey where the same teams are playing each other all the time. And of course the U S teams will be facing each other, but there's just, that's why it's so much to take in right now and to absorb because of the unknown and, and the factors that are just not in the league's control and the NHLPA's control. Well, so let me ask you, do you like the idea of, and I honestly, I don't know how you, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it works if you're not going to have all the Canadian teams together for you know, the very fact that it's to me, it's not even that the Canadian borders is closed to people like me and presumably us based NHL teams right now, but you can't start something and with having no control over the fact that at some point, if there is, a, a, you know, another, a, another spike in, March or April or whatever it is, and and you close that border again, you know. To me, I, I'm sort of, re, you know, I'm I'm sort of already in the mindset that yes, I, I bet we are going to have a Canadian division next year, mm-hmm. and I I don't know that that's a bad thing. I, I I love the, I mean, it creates all kinds of really fascinating dynamics, and 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 I think Canadian fans should embrace it. That's that would be my take on it. Well, and, and a lot of good stories within the seven Canadian teams anyway. I mean, Ottawa, which of course was the one team that didn't get to come back and play hockey games and return to play among the Canadian teams. I mean, they're, you know, they're improved. They had an exciting draft. There's lots going on with them. Montreal, arguably with the best offseason of any team in the league. 
really aggressive offseason for Mark Bergevin. The Leafs making headlines. Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons, Zach Bogosian. Lots of fun there. Uh, Calgary has stolen half of Vancouver's roster in, in free agency. And the, uh, the Canucks, uh, obviously, to me, still, I think, Canada's best team uh, with their young core of talent and and the Oilers uh, looking to feed off their their uh, first place finish in the regular season last year. So there's a lot, you know, if you're going to talk about a Canadian division, of course, Winnipeg at the end of the day, we just talked about lining. So let's see what happens there. But there's lots to talk about if, if indeed it's a, it's a Canadian division for a while. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I had a chance to chat with Tyson Berry last week and I, I know he's looking forward to, um, you know, sort of picking up the pieces, uh, in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to see what Vancouver does with Braden Holpe there and, and Thatcher Demko. So, you know, again, Braden Holpe spent his entire career in Washington and wins the Stanley cup there. I, I love that duo, frankly. And I, and I, I'm with you, Pierre. I, I'm fascinated to see, you know how they how the Canucks build on what was it was such a fun playoff run so so much fun to watch that team because I don't think we really had a sense of what they were capable of and now it's about taking the next step but I'm 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 fascinated by by them and and of course as you mentioned with Calgary uh, with Jacob Markstrom signing on long term there that's uh, that's gonna be a ton of fun so um, I I do want to circle back because we've talked about Joe Thornton. In fact, a week ago, I think we we were just on the verge of uh, of the new the finalizing the news that Joe Thornton was coming back and was going to join the Toronto Maple Leafs. I I, I used to kid with Matt Cullen all the time. I was like, I used to say to Matt Cullen, "You can't retire because that means I'm really old there." And I, <laughs> I just think it's I, I just think it's a, I think it's tremendous for the game that Joe Thornton isn't yet done and I do think it I just can't wait for it to start and see what it's going to be like with Joe Thornton in that locker room in that media milieu um what do you think it's going to be like I mean you know Joe Thornton as well as any reporter probably yeah I think it's going to be a blast you know I know his his parents are absolutely jacked about it of course he grew up St. Thomas Ontario um and you know, I traded text messages with Joe on, on when it was announced last Friday, and he, so some of them I can't share uh, because of how excited he was and uh, the exuberance. But um, you know, I, I think that the Leafs planted a seed in, in in Joe's mind back in the summer of 2017 when they first tried to sign him, and even though it was a a, a different approach, it was Lou Lamorello, and Mike Babcock then. Uh, and this time it was uh, Kyle Dubas and, and Sheldon Keefe. But I think that when it happened in 2017, I know that from talking to Joe Thornton about it at the time, that it really touched him. And it gave him a lot to think about. And even though the timing wasn't right and he wasn't ready to leave San Jose, it's one of those things that sometimes stays with you, right? And so I think over time, the idea probably grew on him. And, and, and now the timing was right, not only because... Again, I think it'll be fun for his family, but also, you know, he doesn't do it if he doesn't think they have a chance. Like, he's not interested in just doing things for emotional reasons. I mean, he thinks the Leafs have a chance. And, you know, we're in a league now, as you know, where a lot of teams have a chance. I mean, the, the parody. But I, I think he feels that, that, you know, that they do have a chance to finally get over the hump and that his presence, you know, Jason Spezza re-signing, Wayne Simmons coming on board, Bogosian... You know, the Leafs have, have kind of had a Tampa-like offseason from a year ago where they're 
were, were, you know, their core hasn't changed. You know, their their actual talent and skill is the same, but they've added pieces around the edges that could be really important both on and off the ice. And uh, and I think from that perspective, it, it's going to be an intriguing gear for Toronto. I I love the idea of that group of players. You know whether it's Wayne Simmons, and I know you talked to him earlier in the in the off season, and uh, you know healthy, and I think a I think that's a terrific fit, and we already know that Jason Spezza's impact, and uh, you know I, I thought he had a, a a really nice season, and I thought his my sense is that impact in that locker room was important, and now of course you got Zach Bogosian who won a cup, and and Joe Thornton, I like that idea. I, I, I do I have you know I like this sort of notion oh well that's some sort somehow it's an indictment of of the core that was already there and I I see it in completely the opposite vein that it's why wouldn't you want as many important smart hockey players at one time to try and push you over the edge this is a team that hasn't won a they haven't won a playoff round in what how many years now is it uh, certainly you know it. We haven't won a playoff round since the lockout, correct? O four, O five. They won a playoff round since O four, O five. Well, the, no one won a playoff round in O four, O five, buddy. No, because they, they no, didn't ab- have a season. No, after. So I'm saying since the lockout, <laughs> how many how many rounds have the Leafs won since the none? They, their yeah, last so playoff go. series win was in O four. Uh, the there late Pat Quinn behind the bench, and John Ferguson was a general manager. That's right. So I, I just I I did think, and you mentioned Tampa. Why wouldn't you want? I think of Dallas, frankly, with Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry. Why wouldn't you want a lot of really smart, motivated hockey players on your team? And and I just I see that as as the as the Leafs having taken a step forward. I don't see it as a negative at all. Yeah, and, and I think they needed that. Like I, you know. I heard a story about Columbus when they beat the Leafs and returned the play that there were things being said at the Leafs bench and basically no one saying a word back. Like like that, the, the sense was, you know, we know you guys don't know what, what's going on here yet. And, and, and so I think, again, now you're going to think twice with some of the players added here in the offseason in terms of, you know, players that have been there and done that. So I, I do like that part of it. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, as promised, the great Ed Olchuk joining us. Ed, where are you? Where are we? Where do we find you today? Where are you at? <laughs> well, Scotty and Pierre, nice to be with you guys. Uh, I'm at home in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, and uh, after 
going through the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, being in the bubble in Edmonton for 33 days. Uh, I'm looking around like, what the hell do I do now? So, uh, but it's uh, nice to be home. And uh, I recently became a, uh, a grandfather for the first time over the course of the summer. So I get a chance to uh, catch up with my uh my granddaughter, uh, Audrey Marie, and uh, so it's nice to be back home, and it's good to be with you guys. Oh, my gosh. Well, congratulations off the hop, and uh, we'll circle back to the bubble. But and, uh, it's been an interesting 24 hours, of course, with the news that uh, all our favorite, uh, Doc Emmerich, has decided to retire. And uh, I just thought it would be so great to get your perspective on this, somebody who's sat or stood shoulder to shoulder in some of the, the greatest hockey games of, of our generation. And I, I'm just curious when you, you – maybe you knew this was coming, but – What's it like when you sort of consider, okay, that's, uh, you know, the, the we've heard the last call from Doc Emmerich, and I wonder what it's been like for you the last uh, 24 hours or so. Yeah, it's been, uh, Scotty, it's, it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a tough time. It's been a sad time. Uh, I got a call from Doc on uh, Sunday late morning, and, you know, when he said, do you have a few seconds, uh, I kind of felt uh, I knew where the conversation was going to go. And, you know, I mean, look, at selfishly, you know, I mean, I'm sad and disappointed that I won't be able to sit next to Doc or have him call a game from his uh, basement at home and me being uh, mm-hmm. in a venue somewhere else. But, uh, you know, I think just uh, when you when you look back at uh, what Doc has been able to due to our game, not only at the highest level, but at other levels uh, throughout the game of hockey and what he has meant to so many people and his passion and love for the game. Uh, you know, th- those are the things that, uh, you know, that, I, that, you know, it was an emotional time. It, it's to know that uh, we're at the end of uh, an era and end of a broadcasting uh, legend, not only in our game and hockey, but also throughout professional sports and uh so you know i mean it was something that doc and i had talked about for a while and i did a lot of listening and offered some uh you know some advice every once in a while when he would ask for it but you know kind of had an idea that it was around the corner uh didn't realize that it was going to be a couple of days ago but i'm happy for doc i'm happy for joyce his wife and uh, you know, it's going to be different. It's, it's going to be uh, really different not to hear the, uh, the legendary voice of Doc Emmerich calling the uh, most important games that we've had in the National Hockey League over the course of the last, you know, 30-plus years. But um, as Doc has said many a times, uh, father time or in the PC world, father and mother time are undefeated, and sometimes uh, things come to an end. And uh, but Doc's going to be around, and I'll look forward to seeing him. But I'm uh, going to miss his friendship uh, when it comes to being in the booth. Uh, that will be forever uh, away from the booth. But uh, it was, uh, you know, it's been a tough couple of days for a lot of people, and uh, it's great to see the outpouring support that he has received uh, from, you know, fellow broadcasters and media types like all of us, uh, but also the great hockey fans that we have. Uh, throughout the National Hockey League and all across the world. And so many people chiming in, which has been great. And uh, I know Doc is very, you know, very humbled and honored that uh, people would take the time to, to chime in and, and let them know uh, that they've been 
thinking about him and wish him well in his retirement. And uh, most importantly, Doc's healthy. He's at peace and uh, he's happy. And, and that's all that really matters. We had Doc on this podcast back in, uh, geez, it must have been in June, eh, Scotty? May or yep. June. Yep. And when we were asking him how he thought the bubble would be like, you know, calling games in the bubble. And, and you know, I, I, I wondered for you, you know, Ed, like what's, do you, you know, do you wish that things, you know, that, that your last game would have been back in normal times, I guess, yeah. with, with a jammed, with a jammed rink and so on. Yeah. Yeah, Pierre, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, it would always, you know, I've been thinking about that, you know, what, you know, what would that have been like? Like, would Doc have signed off uh, for the last time, uh, you know, in, you know, in, in a normal environment or a normal setting and let everybody know that this is, you know, the direction he was going to go. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess it is uh, selfishly, like I said earlier, I mean, it is, it's sad that, you know, that I wasn't next to him like we've been on so many occasions over the course of the last 14 season is, is working hand in hand that, uh, that I wasn't able to, to be with him uh, next to him on his, on his last game, but we were together. Uh, he was at home. Uh, I was in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. uh, Bush, Brian Boucher was, you know, down at ice level and, uh, you know, just proud, proud of that aspect. But, you know, look at it's the world that we're living. It's the hand that we've all been dealt and everybody has to, you know, make, you know, make things work regardless if they're comfortable or not. And, uh, but yeah, Pierre, I think I've, you know, thought about it and yeah, wish it was under a different circumstance or maybe being able to, you know, let Doc ride off and send him off in a, in a bigger in a bigger fashion and maybe put them up on the jumbotron or, you know, let fans right. know all that kind of stuff. And look, and I still think that that, that will happen. That's just my opinion. I hope it happens. Uh, and I'm sure that doc will get recognized, uh, throughout the national hockey league moving forward. But, um, you know, doc, doc did it his way and he's always done it his way. And that's why what separates him from, from everybody else is he's a special guy and uh, he took some time to think and uh, decided that this was the time. And I think we're all very respectful of that. Do you, you mentioned 14 years for you. Uh, do you remember your first working arrangement with Doc <laughs> or was, was there a moment where you were like, holy cow, this is, I, I, I'm, he, I'm doing this with Doc Emmerich yeah. or what was that like? Yeah. Well, full disclosure, I mean, I'm 54 years of age, Scotty and Pierre, and I can't remember what the hell happened Monday, let alone what happened this morning. <laughs> so uh, I've, I've joined that club. So um, you know what, though, Scotty? I, I think when I really felt like, holy cow, I'm doing I'm doing games with Doc Emmerich was uh, the Ottawa-Anaheim Stanley Cup final. And again, I can't remember anything, but was that the 07 final? I, I can't remember. 07, correct. Yeah, so yeah, that, that, that to me is when we were traveling between Ottawa and Anaheim for the Stanley Cup final. I was like, wow, this is like I'm in a... You know, I'm in a pretty important chair here, you know, sitting next to Doc. And I think I just realized, like, okay, I've I've arrived and I'm doing a Stanley Cup final with the legendary Doc Emmerich. And, you know, I'm not going to screw this thing up. And uh, look at it. When, when I got the opportunity from my boss, Sam Flood, at NBC Sports, uh, I had been coaching in Pittsburgh. I had gotten fired in uh, Christmas of 05. And then I had a uh, dinner with, uh, with Sam in in Pittsburgh at the Morton's downtown, Morton's Steakhouse downtown Pittsburgh in yep. January. And 
he asked me to come on board and be a part of NBC's uh, broadcast and doing some studio. And then, you know, I didn't know that JD was on the verge of leaving John Davidson, leaving uh, the the broadcast booth with Doc to go to St. Louis and become the team president of the St. Louis Blues. And then next thing you know, JD left and they were looking for somebody to try to fill in JD's shoes and or skates, I guess I should say. And they asked me to, you know, if I'd be interested in, you know, absolutely. But I mean, that was a pretty intimidating chair to sit in, A, because JD and Doc were, you know, I mean, they were the, uh, you know, the, the, the poster announcers, in my opinion, of all the professional sports when you looked at the experience and the chemistry and the cadence and the knowledge and everything there like i'm like holy cow i got to try to fill in for jd and then let alone i got to sit next to doc and try to be uh you know be his partner after losing you know who i think was the best color analyst uh that i had ever listened to and so i had that opportunity and that pressure there but i think really long-winded scotty i think it really hit me when we were doing a stanley cup final uh anaheim and ottawa i was like wow okay like you you better be ready and uh you know don't screw this thing up and uh i was lucky enough to do uh you know another 13 after that one with uh, with doc so uh that's when i really felt like i i had arrived and and really recognized uh, the position that i was in and uh, very thankful for that opportunity Eddie, just before we let you go, I, we talk about, uh, you know, coming to an end of a, an era or an end of, of time, perhaps. But I, I know uh, your name has continued to come up uh, as as someone that teams have I, I was just going to gonna ask him that, uh, Scotty. He, he stole know, it from sorry. me. I'm sorry about that, pal. But uh, teams have reached out about a possibility that you would leave the booth as well and, and, and take on a role some kind of role in, in in a team management position. And I wonder when those calls come to you, what what that's like for you and and what you think that kind of transition might be like if there you know, if you if you feel there's a fit yeah. some to somewhere down the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think first off, Scotty and Pierre, I mean make it perfectly clear. Like I'm very, very content and very much at peace with uh with my life and, you know, the roles that I have, not only nationally with NBC for hockey and horse racing, by the way, I have to add that in as well, but uh, with the Breeders' Cup right around the corner. Um, but, you know, also to my, my role with the Chicago Blackhawks doing local games with the great Pat Foley and, and, uh, and doing games for them as well. Like, I'm very much at peace and I love what I do. I'm very lucky to do what I've do- done for the last little while. But, you know, I mean, I have been contacted by a, a few teams over the course of the last couple of years and have had some really interesting and intense and uh, worthy conversations with uh, people in all walks of management, whether it was, the, you know, the the presidents or the ownership groups of teams or, or what have you. And it's been very uh, insightful. It's been very honoring and humbling that uh, teams would call and engage my interest on a possible position. But um, I, I love what I do. I mean, I do miss being in the battle. I do miss being amongst the, uh, you know, the everyday goings on of the National Hockey League. But, um, you know, I, I just think it's, uh, it's something that if it is a right fit down the road and uh, somebody is, is willing to uh, trust me or commit in me or want me to be a part of what they have going forward, it's something that I would certainly listen and, and, and engage in conversation. But, 
Um, I, I love where I am and you know I've been through a lot here personally over the course of the last uh, three, three years in my colon cancer battle. It's kind of hard to believe it's been three years since I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer and uh, not that I look at things any differently guys um, after I got sick but certainly understanding that uh, I, I know where I am. I know the people that I work with and work for and love every part of it but you know, there is always that burning desire to wanting to be a part of, you know, the everyday goings on of the National Hockey League again. And it may happen and it may not, but uh, I love what I do and I'm very much at peace at where I am in my life uh, professionally and personally. Well, that is outstanding. And uh, you know what, Ed, you can always join our team. I, <laughs> I, I, I hate to speak for Pierre, but you're, you're always welcome to join our team here on Two Man Advantage. But thank you so much for taking the time and chatting today. It's always great to catch up. And I know I speak for Pierre, uh, that I hope that we can all connect again and uh, in a rink uh, in an NHL building sometime sooner than later and maybe you pass along that uh, amazing no horse knowledge that, <laughs> that you've sometimes shared with us over the years. But thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's it's a, it's been a treat. It's always great to catch okay, up. Okay, guys. Thanks very much. Thank you for uh, having me. And uh... As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You guys stay safe, and uh, if I don't chat with you guys, have a, a great holiday. And uh, the old Czech household got a little bigger, like I said a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, my granddaughter, Audrey Marie, will be around for Thanksgiving and for Christmas, so uh, it'll be a real uh, great. a real special time. And uh, uh, looking forward to uh, getting back with you guys in a rink, and uh, just stay safe and healthy, and uh, look forward to seeing you guys sooner than later. I always love the time I spend with that because, I, to me, Pierre, he's just unflinchingly honest. And I'll tell you, you know, watching as much hockey as I did this summer and fall, uh, I have come to a, 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 an even greater appreciation, I think, for what 
Ed brings to the game. And frankly, I'm not surprised at all that teams have reached out to him with a possible, you know, to explore the idea of, of some sort of management position. Um, I don't know what, like, when you think of Ed, what do you think of? What comes to mind for you? You you spent a lot of time, you know, playoff rounds, finals, Olympics, all those kinds of stuff. What comes to mind when you think of Ed, Ed Olchuk? Yeah, just so well-rounded in terms of the different things in the game that he has experienced as a player, as a coach, uh, you know, in management, on television. It takes it takes skill to be able to bounce around the different uh areas of the game and and do so um you know with the kind of skill that that he has so i i actually think you know i, I think you know as a team president is where i see him one day if if he's interested in that because i think the dexterity in which he handles himself and you know he's been around owners knows how to handle different situations i mean i think that'd be the kind of job that would that would speak to him in my mind anyway yeah no i'm with you All right, my friend, that was outstanding. We also have some other outstanding podcasts uh, in the offing. We know that Stan Bowman, GM of the Chicago Blackhawks, speaking of a little Chicago Blackhawks theme here, uh, given Ed Olchek's long connection to that franchise, uh, he, uh, Stan Bowman, will be joining Mark Lazarus and Scott Powers on a new episode of Laz and Powers this week at The Athletic. And Willie O'Ree, Hall of Famer and really Hall of Fame good guy, uh, will be stopping by to chat with Craig Custance on the full 60 this week. And you should check out our comments section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. If you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, do it now. Subscribe and save go to theathletic.com slash two-man advantage and you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Always a good time to catch up with you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your week. Um, Let's do it again next week. Why not? We'll we'll do maybe one more, right? I don't know. Or maybe we'll just keep (laughs) doing it forever. (laughs) All right, Yeah, somewhere between one more and forever. Count me in. Right on, right on. Right on.